Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, June 26, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, I'm a little surprised you're here today. I thought <laughs> you might actually be dead. I almost, almost. After last night, I thought you might have either cried your face out. I did. So much that your body was bereft of liquids and that you mm-hmm. might have shriveled up and died. It's very close because I'm also very sunburnt from this weekend. Uh, So I am. It's hot up here. (laughs) Exactly. It's hot and it's monotonous. So I'm as dehydrated as one gets, especially after last night. But I'm I'm still here. Yeah, good. Another Sondheim reference. Very good. Uh, (laughs) So you went and saw Jason Robert Brown and Stephen Sondheim with Katrina (laughs) Link when special guests Rob McClure, Joshua Henry, and Shoshana Bean. Um, For those of us that were not privileged enough to be in that room, (laughs) what were the highlights for you? And don't say all of them because we don't have that much time, but just give me a highlight or two for you. But just all of them. I mean, I think the highlight for everybody of the the night... Uh, Sondheim came out in the second half of the show. So Jason Robert Brown performed the first half with his special guest, and then Katrina Link got the honor to introduce Sondheim. He came out and he sang Good Thing Going from Merrily. Wow. And I counted four separate people in my immediate sectional vicinity who, besides me, who upon recognition of the song's opening chord progression, just aggressively, viscerally burst into tears. Oh, which... I said just just burst into flames, I thought. Yeah, right? so it is spontaneously combusted. Also true. Yeah. Well, and then there was another special guest that opened the show. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, well, the whole story was that Jason Robert Brown has been performing, had been performing in Merrily when he was a kid at playing Charlie and that he is Charlie Kringus. So he's been spending his whole life having perfected a rendition of Franklin Shepard, Inc. And he made mention that Lin-Manuel Miranda performed at an encores a few years ago. So he got a few lines into his version of Franklin Shepard Inc. before Lin-Manuel Miranda, of course, right, of course. the show's opening number ran out on stage. Yeah. And his little sheepish, it sounds like you think making money is a bad thing for an artist. <laughs> got everybody. I, just uh, <laughs> tangential, we did not talk about this. I just happened just a, a day or so ago to ballpark, pull together what numbers Hamilton probably has made uh yeah. so far in his broadway run and it's upwards of 600 million dollars in four years on broadway um which is insane but anyway uh we've got so much news to talk about ashley i'm sure if anybody has any questions about the concert they can contact you on twitter at no this is ashley yes uh, i will be glad to talk about it every day for the rest of my life don't yeah, worry yeah but we have so much news we have to start with this first big story, which is a big story in its own right. But to me, Ashley, the news is not the most interesting part of this story, but rather Mm -hmm. the reaction to the news is the most interesting part of this story. I know that you and I are not exactly eye to eye on this, uh, but before we have our first first fight in front of all these people, uh, (laughs) let's run through the news itself. First, yesterday, Deadline exclusively reported that Ryan Murphy had found his cast for the Netflix film version of The Prom, and I apologize for using all those extra A's, but there are so many freaking A-listers in this thing that I had to put more A's into the cast because we already knew that the Broadway company was not going to be recreating their roles, even though 
a lot of people were salty about that when the announcement came out, which, come on, people, grow up. Um, instead, the cast will feature a smorgasbord of top-line talent, including Meryl Flippin' Streep as Dee Dee Allen, Nicole Kidman as Angie Dickinson, James Corden as Barry Glickman, Andrew Reynolds as Trevor Oliver, Keegan-Michael Key as Principal Hawkins, and Aquafina as Miss Sheldon, a gender-flipped version of the uh, press agent that's played by Joshua Lehman on Broadway. Now, Deadline also originally reported that Ariana Grande would be playing Alyssa Green, and as of recording, they have not changed that on their story. However, later in the day on Tuesday, Billboard reported that Grande would not be involved because the December start to filming conflicted with her tour schedule. Deadline also reported that Murphy, Grande, and her manager would be the ones producing the soundtrack. So I don't know if maybe the details weren't worked out uh, and Deadline just had a source that didn't you know, didn't have everything up to date. Some people were thinking that in four hours, Ariana Grande decided to pull out because people were mad about it. I don't think that's the case, but we can get into that if you want. Um, some other bits of news here, actually, though, is that in a move that I believe is the first for Netflix, they will be releasing the film in theaters before it hits the streaming site to ensure that it's eligible for as many awards as possible. And finally, on the news front, a nationwide search will be held to find the right person to play Emma. Now, Actually, there was an almost in instantaneous wave of disapproval from much of the theater community after this announcement was made, mm. which in some respects boggles my mind, considering it's a movie musical with Streep and Kidman in it. But yeah. to me, it's it's a mix of legitimate big picture concerns with some less legitimate vitriol that we normally reserve for live TV musicals. That's what it kind of felt like to mm. me today in some respects. But actually, I, I don't know how you feel about the casting of Meryl and Nicole and Andrew and Keegan and Aquafina and maybe Ari, but I know that you have some specific issues with James Corden playing Barry Glickman, and I don't know if they have anything sure. to do with James Corden personally or just big picture. And I don't disagree with you in principle, but I think that there's an argument to be made not in def necessarily in defense of this casting, but in support of the person who made the decision. But first, why don't you share why you were a bit upset with that particular bit of casting? No, and I, I honestly, I like the casting of everybody else, especially Nicole Kidman and Andrew Rannells. I think the second you cast someone straight to play Barry Glickman, you go into caricature to mocking territory. It's a very physical and flamboyant role. Brooks is a sensational physical comedian to start with. So I'm just wondering how much of that James is going to borrow and therefore, how much of it is going to look like a straight man mimicking a flamboyant gay man? And I have a massive problem with that in the same way I had a problem with Andrew Garfield playing Pryor in Angels in America and the way other straight men get cast to play gay men all the time. Also, if you're going to cast someone who's only 40 in that role, who's you know supposed to be paralleling Dee Dee Allen, Titus Burgess was right there, man. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was thinking someone like Nathan Lane or Sean Hayes or Titus sure. Burgess could have done very well in that role. Yes, absolutely. That was in my dream cast. Titus Burgess was my Barry Glickman. Yeah. And well, look, I mean, James Corden won a Tony for basically something that was a physical comedy. Sure. Um, and, and I think from a comedic standpoint, he can handle that. And I understand where you're coming from in terms of the fact that it seems like straight actors have the opportunity to play both straight and gay while 
gay exactly. people don't often get the chance to play both. My exactly. my response to that is not necessarily a response to that, but more in response to the fact that Ryan Murphy is the one who made this decision. I, if anyone used to listen to Some Like It Pop, Jennifer McHugh and I were very open about the fact that we thought Ryan Murphy was brilliant in terms of his of his stories, but wasn't very good in his execution that often his shows jumped the shark after a few episodes but mm-hmm. the one thing that i think you have to say about ryan murphy is that i honestly don't know if there is somebody working in television who has done more to promote diversity not all not all on screen but off screen as well we've talked about his sure. half initiative in the past james and i have where half of the um, directors and writers on his shows are either women or minorities. He's challenged mm-hmm. everybody else to do that as well. And I think when you also consider the fact that he cast, I mean, a complete A-list group of out gay men in The Boys in the Band, while it doesn't necessarily excuse the big picture point of what you're saying, I do feel like Ryan mm-hmm. Murphy at least deserves the benefit of the doubt in this situation just sure. because he has a track record of of doing things the right way uh, in terms of casting gay people in gay roles and also, you know, pushing for representation across all forms of entertainment. Sure. I mean, casting is a tricky beast. And I think casting directors never get enough credit, either good or bad. And I'm not saying Ryan Murphy hasn't earned his seat at the table sure, because sure. genuinely, as you said, he's been doing some of the most amazing work in Hollywood and people do have their problems with him. But the fact is he's preserving queer shows like the prom and boys in the band who's, uh, you know, because he's the executive producer, Casey Nicola is also going to get some of the say he'll have names. Ryan Murphy will have names, but Netflix casting directors are going to get the call and Casey Nicola is going to have his input. As long as everyone's happy, they'll continue to pay for it. You know, Pose is the exception to the rule on TV, seeing literally any trans actor of color. And even Billy Porter, he was talking about it in a roundtable for Hollywood Reporter not that long ago about the double layer of casting representation and how if flamboyant dot, dot, dot wasn't in a casting description, he wouldn't even get seen for anything ever, which is so true. I cover casting at Backstage. My whole brain is kind of wrapped around casting every day. And first of all, there's always a warning, essentially, if a role is gay, like must be comfortable playing a gay character. And second, the roles. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Unless a I mean, I was going to say unless a project is explicitly queer themed, there is usually a (laughs) some form of. Not a warning, but definitely a warning of you must be comfortable kissing somebody of the same sex. But I mean, second, the roles that I see that are labeled as being open to trans actors are one in a million. And that's not something they leave out as a way of saying, oh, we're inclusive to everybody. It means that trans people are not getting seen and are cast for the roles. So Pose is huge. And looking at prom, I think in a perfect utopia, James Corden could maybe play Barry Glickman. But that's only because in that perfect utopia, queer people would regularly be playing queer characters as the norm. There wouldn't be any you're too trans or not trans enough for roles. And there would be equity in the ratio ratio of roles that we see in between, you know, cishet roles and the rest of us. But yeah. until then, you know, James Corden has enough work cut out for him. <laughs> 
<laughs> when he has enough work, it's not like he's starving for roles. But exactly um, the, the the one thing I'll say, or, like, there's two things I'll say. Mm-hmm. One is theater is at least for gay men is the one place where you it is not unusual to see gay men playing straight men. Um, So that's a little different than that. But the other thing that I think is probably a bigger picture issue is is that casting, especially when it comes to anybody who's in a marginalized community, is not a meritocracy. It's just Mm -hmm. it's just not Um, when you think of it's always the best person for the role. That's it's just Nonsense. not true. I mean, yeah. it, maybe in some, you know, some cases it, it is. And maybe if you're Audra McDonald, uh, it is. But in most cases, it's not the best person for the role because there really is no way to define that. It is subjective. And so every time that you have casting for something that it, it is going to have to make sense to a small group of people who are making the decisions. And very rarely is it ever just the best legitimate actor for the role. And that often skews white and in terms of things mm-hmm. on screen skews straight. Yeah. Usually, usually what that means is the person who's creating it has a version that they see in their head. And if they've only been exposed to white people, if they've only been exposed to straight people, that is what they're going to visualize. And they bring that into the casting room. Well, this is a much bigger topic, and I'm very interested to see how this plays out. I think the other, mm-hmm. I think this is the legitimate part of the the hubbub from from yesterday. The stuff about people being mad that the the, the original cast wasn't going to be in it. I'm like, if it would have been a much different thing if they no. were filming the OBC production on Broadway, but right. Netflix is not going to greenlight a big multi 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 million dollar feature film with. Beth Level, Brooks Ashmanskis, Angie Schwer, and right. Chris Sieber, as much as we love them. Right. Um, but I will they be still in- have tickets to sell if it's going into yeah. theaters. Well, and they, they have to get their money's worth. And I guarantee you that people are going to tune in to see Meryl, Nicole, uh, even, even James Corden, and mm-hmm. Keegan Michael Key in a musical uh, because that's awesome. I mean, and I yes. love those people. So uh, that part of it I thought was silly and overblown and just us puffing our chests. But sure. anyway, Ashley, that wasn't even near all of the big news that we had yesterday as we also got a pair of closings at half hour last night as both the Share Show and King Kong announced that it would be closing. On August 18th, what happened to all of our Labor Day closings? What's going on here with everything closing in April? Seriously. Um, The Share Show will have played 330 performances upon closing, and King Kong will have played 353. Share will launch a national tour from Rochester in October of 2020, and King Kong says that they have a tour in the works as well. Now, Ashley, I'm obviously not surprised by King Kong. We've been predicting that one for a while, and even though on yesterday's show I said to keep an eye out on Share. I didn't expect the announcement to come this soon. Yeah, and I didn't expect to get it at 6.40 at night. That was incredible. Two closings within 10 minutes is what ended up happening. Both are ending right as everybody goes back to school. And, you know, these are both shows we expected to close. They've been pulling in 70 or under capacity. So now it's going to be a matter of seeing what's next, I guess. Yeah, these are two pretty desirable houses on the bigger side of the scale. So we're thinking musicals for these. I've talked about the obvious choice to go into the now vacant Broadway would be West Side Story because of Scott Rudin's close working relationship with the Schuberts. But Ashley, I think if that happened, it would have to have been a last resort for Rudin because I really struggle to think that anything Evo Van Hova does is going to work in a nearly 1800 seat theater. But 
the more appropriate Schubert houses are all spoken for. So I just don't know that there are any other options unless Rudin decides to go elsewhere, which he has done before and has, you know, very well do again. But um, a, a revival of this size, I would imagine the Schubert's would want to make happen in one of their houses as much as possible. Now, mm. the Neil Simon, where the share show currently is, is a Niederlander house. Uh, but it is probably still too big for Evo, even though... Um, you know, the, the the new West Side Story revival apparently is going to have a massive orchestra. So I'm a bit at a loss in terms of what might go into these houses, actually. I, I guess for lack of better options, I'll say West Side into the Broadway. But the Niederlander, I'm just going to have to take a really crazy guess. And I'll say mm. Once Upon a Once More Time. Uh, no, Once Upon <laughs> a Once Upon a One More Time. I can never get that damn name right. I have to sing it. It has to be Once Upon a One More Time. That's <laughs> I, I, I'm going to guess that's going into the Niederlander. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you're selling Ivo Van Hove, but you're also selling West Side Stories, so I would not be surprised to see it end up in the well, Broadway. It's not necessarily the, the the selling it. I'm talking more about how his specific interpretation of of revivals tends not to oh, be very fair. large. Um, so that's kind of more what I was thinking, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. I said we were going to get a bunch of announcements, and and here we certainly are. But, Ashley, while you were at, at the town hall crying your eyes out, a bunch of other folks <laughs> were down the street uh, watching a bunch of high schoolers perform at the Minskoff for the 11th Annual Jimmy Awards. And this year's winners, who are also known as next year's Broadway stars more than likely, were Ethan Kelso and Akel Ukegbu. Ethan is from Logan, Utah, and one for playing Bill uh, Will Bloom in Big Fish, while Akel is from Elmont Memorial Junior and Senior High School in New York City, and she won for playing Aida in Aida. Um, other winners included Adam Crowell from Houston, who won the Spirit of the Jimmys Award, and Anna Gassett from St. Louis, who won the Jimmys Best Dancer. The Jimmy Awards have not put up individual performances on their YouTube page, but they do have the entire live stream from uh, Monday night's events. If you want to check that out, uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. But always awesome, uh, Ashley, for us to watch yes. our new overlords perform uh, because they <laughs> will be taking over, as we've seen from previous Jimmy's winners. The best of the next. I'll be surprised if any of the finalists who are still in school will even get to finish on time before Broadway snaps <laughs> them up. I mean, there is an Aida revival uh, hey. That's uh, supposed to be going out on tour, so who knows go, if uh, we'll hear Akel uh, Ukegbu. Uh, and Th Thomas Schumacher was one of the judges last night, so I'm just saying. Um, anyway, we've got a couple more bits of news here real quick. Yesterday it was announced that, not surprisingly at all, all of the tickets to Dave Chappelle's week uh, uh, at the Luntfontein Theater and his residency sold out, so he's adding another week. It's actually, I think it was just two performances, so he's now added another week. He'll be playing 10 shows running from July 9th through the 20th. By the time you hear this, those probably are sold out, too. Mm -hmm. Also yesterday, Lincoln Center Theater announced that it will produce Greater Clements, a new play by Samuel D. Hunter, and will be directed by Davis McCollum this fall. The show will be taking place at their off-Broadway Mitzi Newhouse Theater, and it will begin previews on November 14th and will open on December 9th. More uh, details about that will be coming uh, soon. But the big news out of that is that Judith Ivey is going to be starring in that. Very Always exciting. one of the best. So if you need more information about any of the stories that we talked about at today's show, please check out the show notes or head over to broadwayradio.com. Ashley, I think that's all. Any parting JRB SJS notes to, uh, to, to drop to the folks? They didn't talk about any potential revivals coming to Broadway? 
They didn't, but you know, cast Katrina Link as the witch in Into the Woods, you cowards. Yeah, seriously. All right. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This Is Ashley. All right, Ashley, you and James are going to be helming the ship tomorrow. Good luck. May the odds be ever in your favor. (laughs) And uh, they will talk to you on Thursday. And then, Ashley, you and I, I think, are going to be back on Friday. I will be here. I have no more Sondheims to cry over this week. 